0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Weird Flicks But Okay. I'm Eric.
1: And I'm Chelsea.
0: And uh, it's been a year.
1: A literal year plus three days. It's
0: been a year and three days since the last release. That's crazy. It's crazy town. Yeah. Um, We're in the middle of a global pandemic still, which is just really exciting and fun and unique and has all kinds of interesting challenges. Uh, but it's, uh, it's still been good movie-watching times, if you like movies. So, it's been a year. We haven't really met up in the intervening months, and we thought we might talk about some of the standout movies that we've experienced in this time, in the interim. Yep.
1: We've still been watching movies, we just haven't been podcasting about them, so... Correct. We have some catching up to do.
0: Yeah. Um, So we thought we would record that and give it to you for listening.
1: Yeah. Because we've had a few kind of exciting releases recently. And also, we just watched a couple trailers. Like, I literally just watched them.
0: Yeah. Minutes ago.
1: Yeah. So the trailer for The Batman, the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, just watched that.
0: Mm Mhm.
1: Eric said it looked really cool. I did. I agree. It looks really cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And also the Lightyear trailer, which uh, just came out yesterday as of the recording of this podcast.
1: That has no business being as good as it is.
0: It really doesn't. I mean, obviously, you and I are are familiar with how good Pixar is, but it still doesn't have any business being that good.
1: No, and we're still trying to kind of figure out what what it is yeah. i mean buzz Lightyear is toy so we're like these aren't toys yes yeah. where's is... <laughs> the toys at yeah i'm thinking it's a like about buzz Lightyear, and then buzz Lightyear is a toy based on this i don't know that's what i would have
0: thought i then... haven't
1: like kept up with news about it so maybe that info is already out there and i just don't know
0: yeah it probably is yeah. i also just don't know
1: but we'll find out
0: we'll find out <laughs> so those are a couple of trailers for upcoming movies that uh, look great in the near future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then also we've just watched several movies in the past year and we could, we could just maybe do a little recap of some of the stuff that stands out. Some of our favorites Yeah, over that time.
1: Do you want to start with the heavy hitter?
0: The heavy, the most recent heavy hitter yeah. that there is? Sure. Why not? We can work backwards from that. Um, so Uh, For those of you listening fresh to this, Dune has come out not very long ago, a couple weeks ago, in America. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've both seen it now.
1: Eric's seen it like four times, I think.
0: I've seen it, yes. Uh, So the first time I saw it was like a regular theater experience. Second time I saw it was an IMAX, which I didn't think I was going to be able to do. But I was very excited.
1: I'm very jealous that you got to do that.
0: If you can at some point in the future, I, I hope that you still are able to.
1: I think I will. I watched it at home.
0: Yeah, the third time I watched it was at home. But I may honestly go to IMAX again. Um, it's, it's the kind of movie that is a spectacle that I find hard to compare to other things that have already existed.
1: It compares itself to a few things that already existed in one of the trailers recently, and it kind of made me roll my eyes. It was like, the next Lord of the Rings slash Star Wars, like, comparing yeah. it to sagas of that magnitude, and honestly, like, it kind of was. Mm. I agree. Yeah.
0: Like, I I think, I'm glad that they compared it to Lord of the Rings as well, because, like, Star Wars, I think, is an obvious comparison but lord of the rings it really is like a fantasy story that happens to be in space more so it's really it's just on a scale that is so hard to compare to other things that aren't star wars and lord of the rings but as far as like competency goes i would say it has far surpassed the star wars movies we've been getting lately uh in terms of cohesive storytelling and just like quality of, of the film itself. Um, Yeah. I don't think it's any like surprise that we both liked this movie.
1: No, not at all. Definitely a fan of some of the director's previous work too. So that's a good indicator. Yeah. And also for those of you that might not know, Dune is based on a novel of the same name. Yes. Uh, And there has been a movie made before, What year was that?
0: 1984.
1: 1984. So it's been a while. And um, I bring that up to say that I think this is the perfect time for this movie to be made. Like we've clearly come so far in terms of like visuals. Yeah. It just makes sense.
0: It's a really, that's a really good point. It's sort of how, you know, famously James Cameron waited for like 16 years to make Avatar because the technology wasn't there. I don't know if anyone was like waiting to make Dune like I don't think Denis Villeneuve was like waiting to make Dune but he can now make it at a level that just was not possible 10 or 20 years ago and that makes the scope and scale of this movie and like the, the living breathing aspect of it as a real place uh, I think just so much more impressive than it than it would have been if it had come out earlier
1: I fully agree. And I remember when they announced production of this movie, people were kind of like, not at well, some people were not that excited book readers, maybe more excited. I don't know. I feel like whenever I am a fan of a book, I'm excited for any kind of version of seeing it on screen. But uh, I think the consensus was kind of like, do we really need another Dune movie? And we definitely did.
0: Yeah, that story was, it's very worth being told in a, in a visual medium, I think and i will uh we've both like experienced the book to some degree frank herbert's book from the 60s which is crazy to think about it's that old um and it's still considered one of the best sci-fi novels of all time um slash science fantasy and david lynch's dune was famously plagued with like production issues and uh him fighting with, his, with the producers and, uh, after the fact, disowning it as a movie of his. And it's a very weird movie. I do like the original Dune quite a bit, but it's a, it's a bizarre movie that couldn't hope to capture the scale of what we're seeing today. So I think that it very much warranted being revisited uh, as, a, as a movie.
1: I fully agree. And that's one of the first things I think about with this Dune, the most recent one. It's just, it's big. It's huge. The scale is so big. It's so big. The score, the visuals, the sound design is so good. That's another reason I'm so jealous you saw it in IMAX. That must have been like, so much better and more impactful.
0: Yeah, it was earth shattering. The audio was insane. Hans Zimmer's score is... He just keeps up like one upping himself he
1: never like. misses He never
0: misses um, he recently said that he's like done with superhero movies, but he's very much not done bringing like sci-fi epics to life.
1: yeah um, I saw somewhere that he turned down um, one of Nolan's more recent movies to score dune. I don't know if that's true, but I did see that
0: thank god thank <laughs> the god emperor that he that. yeah yeah it's it's a phenomenal score just uh, the
1: whole like aesthetic medley which uh denny Villeneuve Villeneuve? Villeneuve Villeneuve. yeah yeah uh that he created is just like perfect
0: yeah it really is i mean it it captures i think more than any version of dune besides the book itself so far just how sort of huge and cold and bleak the the universe of Dune is. Uh, there's just you can really feel the space between worlds, I think, and the space between places and and just how exotic these worlds are to like people from Caladan versus people from Arrakis and and the culture of the Fremen is only sort of hinted at because they're like not around in the city, but you know, that those iconic blue eyes, like we've now seen that in like several iterations of Dune and it's just, it's still awesome. Like, I feel like that still holds up so well as a concept.
1: I think he uses a lot of imagery and stuff like that to convey more of the plot or what's going on in the story uh, and like little nuances of the story more so than he uses blatant plot exposition or dialogue Um, which some might even say that's a criticism of the film maybe there wasn't enough dialogue or they weren't super satisfied with the amount of dialogue but I personally thought it was a strength I thought it was really cool that he was able to get those messages across through like little flashes of things and like the way he showed I don't know like the spice and stuff yeah. like that and how it affects the mind and I still felt like I knew exactly what was going on and I felt like it was well explained although maybe not as in depth as the book but that's pretty much I think that's default. just a consequence yeah. of the
0: medium transition
1: Exactly.
0: And it really is I think a masterstroke in uh, show don't tell storytelling because When you, especially when you look at 1984's Dune, it was like the production company was so concerned that people wouldn't be able to follow the story that they like went in post-production and did a ton of like voiceovers to have them like exposit information on top of whatever's happening. And this Dune is like the opposite of that, where it's like, we are not going to hold the audience's hand. We're not going to take their intelligence for granted. We're going to assume that they can follow the story because we are cohesively telling it visually. It's, uh, it's just remarkably successful in, in capturing that. And as a director, yeah, it's like, this is the guy who did Arrival and, and Sicario and it's like every movie he's made is like this knockout, beautiful story.
1: Blade and
0: Runner, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is yeah. like the obvious. Like, he took on a huge franchise with that as well, and that movie is stunning. It's gorgeous. It's
1: just like an aesthetic masterpiece, yeah. which I very much love. So obviously,
0: yeah. Like I can I can love a bad movie if it looks good. Yeah. You know? Like that's almost more important because it's film and because it is a visual medium. I can like forgive a movie being dumb if it's beautiful but uh dune has both i think it's it's not dumb at all it's it it masterfully sort of weaves its way through this incredibly complex a lot of people compare it to like game of thrones uh level of like political intrigue and stuff and i think that it is so impressive how much of that it conveys without feeling like an exposition dump at any point really it's 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 super long, but it does not feel like it drags. It doesn't feel overly complicated. And it doesn't try to just pour information on the audience. Very, very impressive. Completely
1: agree. And I'm glad you brought up Game of Thrones because it did have kind of a Game of Thrones feel. The pacing, actually, I felt was a little bit TV show-ish. But maybe that's only because I knew this was a part one. Which, by the way, very bold move putting part one right on the beginning because they didn't green light the sequel yet like they just did that yesterday yeah as
0: of the making of this they did (laughs) not know they were going to get a sequel
1: yeah they obviously planned on doing a sequel because it ends pretty abruptly like you are expecting a next a next movement which made the ending not disappointing for me just because i expected it to go that way i guess but
0: The, the only thing that would be disappointing is if it's not made because like i'm fine with the movie ending where it did it's a it's a long movie and it contains a lot in it um i've heard people complain that like it didn't get to the parts where like stuff was actually happening in the dune book but like i don't agree i think it did a great job of like setting up this universe and it felt like to compare it to something it was like fellowship of the ring how like so much of that movie was like showing us the shire and showing us what hobbits are and showing us the history a little bit of like the ring and
1: And that's like enough for me like i was still entertained like i still liked what i was watching i still felt like kind of hooked into it i don't know i didn't feel cheated by the end yeah
0: it's not like there wasn't content like i've maybe people wanted to see more of like the battling between the armies of one side of the other which Honestly, you, you don't see that in the book. Like, they would be adding that. So I think that it did a, a, an incredibly good job of, like, giving us enough action in a part of the book that had none. It's all implied that there's been this, like, coup and everyone's been killed or, or you know, um, taken prisoner or whatever. And House Atreides goes through its trauma that it goes through. But, uh, yeah, just stunning performances all around. I think that, like, with a movie like this, you definitely run the risk of feeling like you're just thinking about an IMDb page because everyone is so uh, recognizable. But everyone just plunged themselves into these roles. I think Timothy Chalamet was, like, a perfect casting of Paul Atreides. Like, he looks like he's 13, but he carries himself with the wisdom of someone older and, like, more mature and i think that that is like the the perfect paul atreides oscar isaac incredible as his dad
1: oscar isaac always so good and then i love rebecca ferguson i know we were just talking about this the other day but i felt like i loved her in this role especially because she's she's well known but she maybe doesn't have the same like resume as some of these other larger actors so it's nice to see her in something as big as this
0: yeah, she was amazing. Like I, I, she definitely doesn't have the overt star power of some of these other people, and I think that that was to the benefit of the role, honestly. And she, Lady Jessica, is such a complex character, and I think that she plays her so well. She's like walking a, a tightrope with that role, and it's like it's perfect, way better than I would have expected from someone I don't know that well as an actor.
1: I really liked all of their outfits.
0: <laughs> Beautiful costumes. Yeah, design. so
1: costume design was on point as well.
0: Yeah. Stunning. The the scene with the um Reverend Mother at the beginning in the black with the with the veil of like netted veil doing the Ganja There's so much like jargon, uh, for this Yeah. World, uh, which I love, but you know, unless you've seen it, it's gonna be a lot of like gobbledygook Mm. um but that's a that's an amazing scene pulled like straight from the pages and um so well acted on all accounts the the not just timothy chalamet and the reverend mother but the um rebecca ferguson on the other side of the door experiencing it sort of secondhand fantastic
1: i did like how they portrayed like the voice too
0: oh my god i loved that yeah.
1: I thought that was perfect.
0: Yeah, the scene on the on the Ornithopter when she um, makes the guards that have taken them do things is so good.
1: Oh yeah, she's badass. Yeah. Oh, and then the ship designs. I really, really loved those two.
0: Mm-hmm. So cool. There's such a, a, a great diversity um, of creativity in the design of them and they really do hold true to the, the books ornithopters being like basically insect winged chips is very true to the books the the crawlers that harvest the spice they're described just like that the worms amazing the like the scale of the worms in imax blew my mind the way that the sand vibrates like there's so much audio just from them moving around because they're so big like that was, I've just never seen anything like that. Like it was a, it, it's the first time I feel like something of that scale was creating enough, the correct amount of like sonic disturbance in its own world, let alone for us as the audience. Just incredible.
1: I got to see this in IMAX for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Honestly, like go see Dune. It's, It's definitely one of the best movies that has come out in a long time.
1: That's the other thing about it that I was so excited just because the whole scale of it, like we don't have a lot of movies on that scale, especially since the pandemic. Um, Movie releases have been very different. I think we're in this weird transition phase where we have a lot of things coming out um, like at home streaming, which... That's how I watched Dune. I watched it at home, streaming on HBO. Um, And then you still have some things coming out in theaters, but not everyone necessarily goes to the theaters. So we're in like a weird movie transition phase. But I'm glad we have like another big epic to look forward to, so to say.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it makes you, especially when the pandemic started and what was happening to movie theaters, it really makes you worry of like, what is going to happen to movies like what are we going to keep getting movies like the same way this really felt like it gives you hope for the for the future of theatrical film release
1: yeah because this is something you definitely want to see in a theater yeah it was just it was great at home too but if you're going to make the effort to go out and like make an event of seeing anything it's something like this
0: yeah there's not like a bad way to see it, but there's definitely better ways to see it. Yes. And IMAX is it was made for IMAX. It's one of those movies that's like, you know, Interstellar or The Dark Knight or something where it's like. So Christopher Nolan movies. It's like yeah, Nolan yeah. movies.
1: a big movie. A just huge, such a <laughs> yeah. Such a dumb down way to say it, but literally just that. Just, it's just, it's the just biggest big movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay so what what else have we watched
0: well i'll go to the next movie that i was just so very excited about and now we've got it and that is the green knight the green knight was announced a long time ago it's an a24 film which generally just means it's going to be good as far as i'm concerned it's almost becoming like basic to say that but i don't care it's true it was delayed a very long time, right at the start of the pandemic, and then we finally got it earlier this year.
1: Yeah, because we were getting teasers in 2019.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it just came out in July of this year.
1: 2021. End of July.
0: Yeah. So it's been a minute. Um, I also saw this movie four, five times. Five times, I think
1: you're
0: wild. I'm a, I'm a wild man. I'm a wild man.
1: I saw it one time with yes. Eric.
0: Yes, you did. And we saw it in theaters.
1: We did. Which was, which was great. I enjoyed it, by the way.
0: I'm glad you did because I want to keep being friends with you. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it, it, it really is like, I, w- I couldn't have been more excited for a movie. I feel like The Green Knight was it's the kind of movie that is, like, tailor-made for me and my brain and my aesthetic preferences and just everything. I honestly, like, it just lived up. It lived up to what I was expecting. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting in some ways, and it still lived up. And I just think it's it's by uh, David Lowery, who did uh, A Ghost Story, which is... Uh, I really liked A Ghost Story. Really good, Yeah. And he also did, one of his earlier movies was uh, Ain't Them Body Saints, which is a good movie, if you haven't seen it.
1: I have not.
0: It's beautiful. This dude knows how to make a pretty movie, that's for sure.
1: I still think about a ghost story on, like, a somewhat regular basis.
0: I do too, actually. And since we're in spooky season, it's kind of relevant to talk about it for a second. A ghost story might actually be, like, the saddest movie i've seen in years
1: my sister walked in when i was watching it at the very end and there's this one little part at the end like that happens within like five seconds she saw just that five second part and she goes oh my god that was so sad (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so just imagine watching the whole movie yeah
0: there are a couple of like montage sequences in that movie that are just the saddest bleakest thing ever and i feel like uh you can really see the legacy of that movie in the green Knight. i think there's a lot of dna of what made that movie great in this movie um starring dev patel in the uh the role the lead role of the movie sir gowan um and it has a great a sparse but really good cast. I would say my favorite of it all, unsurprisingly for me, is Ralph Ineson as The Green Knight. Um, he's the lead in The Witch and his voice is like pure gravel. I love the way he sounds when he's talking. The design of The Green Knight was brilliant. It's entirely like a practical suit, which is very rare for movies these days to go like full practical and it is gorgeous. I want that axe, like the prop in my life. I want it in my house. It's so cool. Um, the score is haunting and beautiful and creepy and otherworldly. It's It really, really takes its time with things, which I think might be alienating to some audience members. Uh, there's a scene when he first leaves camelot to go on his quest and it's like an unbroken three minute shot of him like riding a horse into the the woods and it's like that's it it's all it is and
1: we're just with him for that i will say something that i liked about this movie and i talk about this a lot kind of like the difference between a movie that's more like art and more entertainment and i thought that this was like a good middle ground Mm mm-hmm it was still very watchable as, like, a, you know, beginning, middle, and end kind of film. It wasn't too much, uh...
0: Like, abstract, yeah, it wasn't, cerebral...
1: Yeah, it wasn't too abstract Yeah, to where you could, like, get bored with it, I guess. I don't know. And that's just really important for how you, like, consume a movie. That's why I always talk about it. But,
0: no, that's super important. Yeah. Because that's, like, the accessibility of of what's being made. And I do think that it, it strikes a great balance. Um between like an art house movie and just an accessible sort of fantasy storytelling, you know, historical fiction, quote unquote. Um, it's based pretty directly off of one of the oldest known pieces of writing in like Anglo-Saxon history. Um,
1: and this is why you are a great member of this podcast team because <laughs> I don't know about any of that. You know all like the lore and like what it's like rooted in. Yeah. Which this movie is like.
0: It's steeped with that. Steeped
1: with yeah. Yeah,
0: and I I really love Arthurian legends and all that stuff. I love the movie Excalibur, which is an eighties like swords and sorcery movie that's very not like, true to the, the legends of King Arthur, but it's also just stunningly beautiful. It's basically like a two-and-a-half-hour music video about King Arthur. Like, it's just beautiful, beautiful filmmaking um, that takes a lot of liberties with its source material. This does take some liberties, for sure. Um... I mean, luckily, Arthur, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and all that stuff is already fantasy. Like, as far as we know, he wasn't a real person. And if he was, his life was not like we think it is uh, in the storytelling of King Arthur. But that makes it, the it, it's sort of useful for storytelling because it, it, like, takes it out of a time. And it makes it, it can be, like, sort of anything throughout, like the dark ages to the medieval period of of uh england's history and the people that were in it and um i won't get too like in in the weeds with um the history of of the green knight but this movie does take some liberties with the story and it's kind of a weird abstract story especially for a modern audience So I'm happy how authentic it still is, given that like, they could have been very worried that a modern audience just would not understand what this is about. And they really leaned into like, the aspects of it that are the idea of manhood, and adolescence, and growing up, it's like a classic boy becoming a man story. Which is awesome. I love stories like that in general, and I feel like it's so cool to tell that through the... through a knight going on a quest, or like a knight-to-be going on a quest. Um, He's brazen and arrogant and ignorant and afraid and foolhardy and all these like non-virtuous things, and the story isn't... It isn't showing that like he has to abandon all of those things, but... It is a story about, like, what it means to reconcile with those feelings and to sort of live your life as an adult as opposed to just giving in to the inhibitions of a child. And it's beautiful and sexy and alluring and weird and...
1: That's something I love about A24 is they tend to do a darker more artsy spin on that which means they're not afraid to be weird which creates some really cool like visual moments for example the giants
0: yeah stunning
1: that Um, was so cool and so kind of unexpected i don't know when mm -hmm. it came up like through the mountains and like the weird sounds and stuff yeah i was like enthralled by that part i just yeah i wanted more
0: it's beautiful and compelling and the the parable of that of that um, lady whose head was cut off—it's sort of like a fetch quest in the middle of this movie—is um, actually taken from a different bit of English storytelling convention, and um, they like put it into this story, and I think it works really well as being like another thing for Gowan to have to like be tested with um, on this path to what he's doing, and. I will say, I think the standout, Ralph Ineson was like my favorite just because of his voice and stuff, but I think the standout performance in this movie was Alicia Vikander. Um, really? Yeah. I think her as the peasant girl, uh, is, that's definitely good, but then like her as the, the lady of that manor, um is just exceptionally... The way she plays her so seductively, I feel like. And I don't just mean that sexually. I mean, like, her personality is seductive and everything about her is designed to, like, ensnare G- Gowan's attention and and just be something that draws him in constantly. She does such a good job of doing that, like, the entire time she's on camera as that character
1: they're very blunt about that fact too they have her wearing like a bright like primary blue yeah color like a
0: beautiful like turquoisey blue color yeah
1: Where nothing nothing surrounding them is like in color at all right except for a few things like you have her dress and then was it yellow his cape was like yellow yeah
0: his cape is like this amazing like mustard yellow color which is again like, as far as wanting props for movies, like I want that cape. It's so beautiful. His like cloak thing, shroud, whatever it is. And then there, it the movie takes this really like stunning sidestep towards the end with this like what if montage thing that is very reminiscent of a ghost story. I think in as far as like a storytelling convention, a filmmaking convention. Um, and then it just suddenly like cuts back to what is really happening. This movie just really goes for it. Like every moment it's like really going for what it wants. And it's just so, there are parts that are very understated. There are parts that are very like visually loud. And It's just such an adventurous movie for someone to have made. And it's crazy how relevant I think it still is. uh, As a story that is now, oh God, a thousand years old at least. Like, that's crazy to think about. That there's like, human history can feel relevance in itself over periods of time like that. Yes, with some modification, but I really think that's in the spirit of like oral tradition anyway that stories changed from teller to teller on the on the regular in in history and the version of the green knight that we have anyway is you know just that
1: yeah overall the green knight was not a letdown
0: just a beautiful film
1: so yeah the green knight was another from the past 12 months since we last released an episode that we both really liked definitely go see it I think those are like the two, probably the two primary ones we wanted to discuss Dune and The Green Knight. Those were two like releases we were really looking forward to that we finally got to watch.
0: Yeah. True standout films. And we haven't exactly been in a lull for good movies, but like those I think are movies that will stand the test of time regardless. They're just both phenomenal.
1: Yep. And this was a release from last year too we didn't talk super a lot about tenet but we did see it
0: yes we did
1: i will also say i don't know if i have much to say about it anymore
0: yeah i no, i get that there's sort of the basic overview of like it was a really well-made movie it felt like an imax experience uh, which was how we saw it it's it's you know it's christopher nolan like being christopher nolan
1: Right. It was fun. It was entertaining. Yeah. I did find it confusing, but sometimes with like time travel or like anything to do with warping time in any way, I feel like that's normal.
0: So weird that that would be confusing. I
1: know. know just travel. like the basic concept of time travel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty head-twisty movie. And it definitely is designed to I think start making more sense as it nears completion. But that doesn't mean that it's just like, oh, I automatically understand
1: yeah. everything I'm watching. You have to be like patient with your confusion, which I don't love that, yeah. but it's fine.
0: I Yeah, I know people who very much don't like that. But yeah, it's, it's a very, it's like Christopher Nolan to the extreme. I would say of all his movies, it feels the most like Inception uh, if you're to compare it to another Christopher Nolan movie uh and i loved inception i think it's great this movie i think has a little less like charisma at the core of it than inception did
1: i definitely agree with that not much about it sticks with me yeah i'm not like aching to watch it again
0: yeah i would like to watch it again but i do think that it doesn't it doesn't quite have that like fun factor of like when you're watching inception you're just like this is crazy i'm having a blast like everything about this is super entertaining um tenant has moments like that but like overall it is not on that level i don't think so yeah it's a bit it's a bit like drier i would say um there are parts of it that kind of just feel like stale in that regard but I do think that, like, Christopher Nolan is always just going for it whenever he makes anything, and I can't fault him for, like, wanting to make another weird bendy movie like this. And I think it was really well executed in general. There's some, like, incredible scenes in terms of visuals and action and special effects and stuff that I'm sure the majority of which was somehow done in camera because... Christopher Nolan's obsessed with that. And I would almost love to watch how this movie was made more than I'd love to watch this movie again.
1: Um, yeah, that would be super cool. Yeah. Or watch it with, like, director commentary. Right. I would definitely watch that version.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be super cool. It's weird to think, like, I want to watch a movie more in that capacity than just watch the movie. but But this is one of those movies, I think, for sure, where, like, I'm more impressed with how it was made than what it ended up being kind of thing.
1: Yep. And there's a few movies that have come out recently that we haven't watched yet. It is spooky season, so Halloween Kills is out. haven't watched that yet, but I actually really loved the Halloween that came out most recently, so I'm interested in it.
0: Yeah. I think we both agree that the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, is one of the greatest Halloween movies of all time but i will I will say personally, I fell off very quickly after the first one, and i I haven't kept up with the franchise,
1: really, oh no, I didn't either until the most recent one, the most recent like Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, yeah. disregards all the other sequels right. one, but
0: yeah, that makes sense and you like that, I assume I really did, yeah. yeah,
1: it felt like a rehash of the original, mm-hmm. but I still didn't mind that it was that
0: yeah i mean if things are well done it's that's okay you know i still like stuff
1: and i thought jamie lee curtis was badass in it so Mm -hmm. i was here for that uh it's probably more of the same in this like newer sequel but again like i don't mind watching that i guess
0: yeah i mean i would certainly watch it i'm just i haven't sought it out the original halloween is i think so special for being like it kind of invented the the slasher. But it also, I think, like, set the bar so high that slashers just struggle to compete whenever a new slasher comes out. I will say, this is like a side note, I just saw Scream and Scream 2 for the first time.
1: For the first time? For the
0: first time. Like, two weeks ago.
1: Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was that like?
0: It was crazy. I mean, like, to be fair... I know so much about them because they're so culturally relevant that like nothing about it was like surprising. It was almost as if I'd seen it, even though I hadn't. Um, But it was definitely fun. I love, I, I love how much of like just a playful, like meta horror it was of like being super self-aware and, you know, literally just talking out loud about all the tropes of horror in a horror movie. Um, a horror movie full of people who watch horror movies is really funny to me um, and uh, yeah it was it was still it's weird because like as funny and silly as some of that stuff is, it's still really horrific what's happening like it really I think does a good job of like juggling both of those things but scream is not in any way, Uh, new, so we don't have to talk about Scream too much. Uh, I just thought it would be worth bringing up in the spoopy season that I'd never seen Scream before. Yeah, no,
1: that's super relevant. I'm glad that you you disclosed. (laughs) Yeah. That actually reminds me, too, of something else that is newer that I watched recently. Uh, Malignant, directed by James Wan. Mm. That movie is batshit crazy. (laughs) Like it's definitely satire and it's definitely like making fun of the genre and not taking itself seriously the whole time. But I feel like a lot of people might not know that right away. Like I necessarily wouldn't even know that right away Yeah. either. Okay. Like we were, we were, I think 20 minutes into it and I looked over at Andrew. I was just like, I, is this satire? Like, what are we <laughs> watching exactly? And like the more you watch the more insane it gets. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people are going to hate this movie for that reason. I just thought it was like kind of fun and funny for that reason. Yeah. But I totally understand why someone wouldn't like it. It was insane.
0: I've I've heard it's nuts. Um
1: It's, it's batshit. But it's like funny. I don't know. If yeah. you like want to watch something and like laugh at stuff yeah, and be like, what the hell are we seeing? Yeah, yeah. That's a fun one for that.
0: I mean, that that sounds great. I love stuff like
1: that. Yeah, me too. But anyways, that was one of the more recent releases that I watched. I can't remember what it was on. Maybe HBO, mm-hmm. Amazon. It's on one of them.
0: And also, uh, to follow up and more of the spooky stuff, I feel like we can just close out this episode talking about spooky stuff because it's Halloween. It's relevant. Um, is uh, another movie that was a long time in the works and it's now finally... Out is uh, Antlers.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Which I have not seen yet, but would really like to. I love the Wendigo. It's like the monster at the core of it. I love the Wendigo. Uh, Not enough movies about them. And it just looks very, very fun and unique uh, in that
1: regard. It does look fun. I don't think it's going to be, like, great. I don't know. I'm just getting not great vibes. But I do like...
0: I'm getting fun vibes.
1: Fun vibes, yeah. yes.
0: Not great vibes. And that's fine. I don't expect, like, that's not the kind of horror movie I go into, like, this is going to be beautiful. No. Change my life. Like, there there are some like that, but they're. I can usually tell when I'm going into it, like, that if something even has the potential to reach that. And this is not.
1: Right. Bad. I think we both have, like, pretty realistic expectations, especially from horror movies. Yeah. Like, a good horror movie is, like, a dime a dozen. Right.
0: But, like, great horror is, like, this, you know, chef's kiss place that's, like, way up here. And then most horror, even if it's fun, is, like, middling.
1: Yeah. Whatever. And I'm here for both.
0: Me too. Yeah. it's There's nothing wrong with a stupid, fun horror movie. And yeah. I think even if it's not I, – I don't even know it will be stupid. I just think Antlers looks like it's, like – more run of the mill in its quality, and about something that not enough horror movies are about, yeah. If any, just love that. Super excited for that.
1: So yeah, those are a few of the movies that we've watched or have been thinking about, or you know, trailers we've w- watched for upcoming movies as well. Uh, we do plan on releasing more episodes in the future. We just had that kind of one year hiatus for pandemic reasons. Yeah, I
0: don't know if you guys knew, but the world's in a state right now.
1: Which is funny because I was just telling Eric, too, like, we had a bunch of episodes in 2020. So, yeah, I guess the um, post-2020 recovery has just been, like, a little bit more difficult. But anyways, still plenty of movies coming out. I feel like movies are gaining momentum as far as release dates and stuff. We don't have as many things on hold, especially as many, like, big event type movies so we love to release more episodes about those in the future yes thanks for listening thanks guys